to begin with uh, offering you what I believe will be the most valuable words that you can possibly hear today. Very simple words, yet beyond profound. Are you ready? God speaks. God spoke in the past. God speaks today. God will speak tomorrow. God will speak every day beyond that, and he speaks to us. He's very personal in his conversation. Personally, I find great comfort and encouragement in knowing not only that God has a voice, but that when God speaks, he's not limited in how he speaks, that he speaks in a variety of ways. Think about it. The creator of everything, the creator of the universe cares so much about us that he desires to have ongoing conversation with us. And this means that you and I don't have to have this internal wrestling match about whether or not God really speaks. God speaks. Several weeks ago, um, we had some young families in our home and we had a meal together. And after the meal, we were sitting in our family room just talking and uh, I happened to share a story. I'm always full of stories and this particular story was a God story. I think they're all God stories. But as I was sharing, I used the phrase, um, I heard God speak. And when I finished, there was a moment of silence, but then one of the young men, um, somewhat timidly and I think a little embarrassed, simply said this, I don't know if I've ever heard God speak. I don't know if I've ever heard God speak. Well, I was very aware of his own spiritual journey. And so I was instantly able to assure him, yes, you have heard God speak. You may not have heard that thunderous voice from heaven, but I know that you've heard God speak. And I could say it with great confidence because in my own personal experience, I've learned that God does speak, but God is not limited in how he speaks. His voice is not limited in form. He speaks in many ways. We just have to learn how to tune into the ways that God speaks. Do you agree with that? God speaks and it's not limited. Um, learning how to tune in and hear to discern the ways God speaks is the most important thing that you and I will ever do. But when we consider the demands of life, the press of our schedules, the constant noise that's going on around us, learning how to tune in and hear God's voice may be one of the most challenging things that we could ever attempt to do. Why? Why is this so? Well, I believe that one of the greatest challenges that we face in tuning in and hearing God's voice is that we live in a constant state of hurry. Does anyone else agree with me? Is hurry a problem for anyone else in the room? Please raise your hand. Raise them high. Life is about hurry up, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up more, hurry up. Listen, Corey Ten Boom said, if the devil can't make you sin, he'll make you hurry. <laughs> Carl Jung said, hurry is not of the devil. Hurry is the devil. John Ortberg in his book, Soul Keeping, said, hurry is the greatest enemy of our spiritual life today. 
And I actually agree with him. And then there's Dallas Willard. Dallas Willard was a, a modern-day scholar and spiritual transformation writer. And he came up with a solution for hurry. And this is what he said. We must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from our lives. Easier said than done, right? But he's right. Until we can get a handle on the hurry of our life and until we can get a handle on the demands of schedules and the press of life, until we can turn the volume down on the noise around us, we will not clearly be able to hear God's voice as he's speaking. So one of the challenges is that we live in a constant state of hurry. I believe another challenge in learning how to tune in and hear God's voice, it's actually us. We make hearing God's voice much more difficult than it was ever, ever intended to be. Thankfully, throughout our series, we've learned that hearing God's voice doesn't have to be difficult. Over the past weeks, we've seen how God speaks through his word. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, we saw where the Bible, the words of Scripture, are actually God's breath. And God breathes his breath. God breathes through the word. He speaks to us, to, to us through the word to teach us, to train us, to teach us how we're supposed to live. And we saw that God speaks through our desires. And I want to say, here's what I think is so cool about this. And Psalm 37, 4, as we looked at it, it says, delight in the Lord and he will give you the pleasures of your heart. And this is how I interpret that scripture, that as you and I commit our ways to the Lord, as we take pleasure, as we take delight in relationship with God, the creator of the universe, something happens. It's called transformation. And suddenly we begin to see what God's desires are. He reveals his desires to us. And then there's this exchange that happens in this process of transformation. We give away our selfish desires and we take on God's desires. He places his desires in our heart. So through Christ, our hearts change. And as our hearts change, our desires change. Isn't that incredible? God speaks through doors. We saw in Acts 16 on two different occasions, a door was closed to a city that Paul and Silas wanted to visit. Listen, God protects us through closing doors. We may not like it, but he knows what's best. He closes doors to protect us. He closes doors to redirect us. He closes doors to keep us from less than his best for our lives. We saw that God speaks through dreams and visions. All throughout scripture, we see precedent of where God spoke through dreams and visions to both men and women. And so Pastor Farrell asked the question, if God spoke in the past through dreams and visions, then why wouldn't he not do so today? And the answer is he can and he does. God still speaks through dreams and visions. And then we saw that God speaks through people. In Acts chapter 9, God spoke through Ananias to tell Saul about who later became Paul after his conversion. He told Saul about uh, his future mission to the Gentiles. And we learned that God can speak to us through other people and God can use us to speak to other people. So today... As we conclude the series, we're going to talk about two very more real ways that God speaks. The first is one we've all experienced, and it's one that is often unrecognized, overlooked, and sometimes even doubted. The second one we've all experienced before as well, um, but it's not uh, easily 
unrecognized. It's not easily overlooked, and it's typically not doubted. And typically, when God wants to speak this way, we would rather avoid it. So I'll start with the easier one. Would you like that? God speaks through promptings. God speaks through promptings. This is the one that is often overlooked, unrecognized, or so often doubted. What is a prompting? Well, you can call it a ping, a poke, a a nudge, an impression, a prompting. Whatever you might call it, a prompting is like getting the elbow of the Holy Spirit in your ribs. We have to believe that that's what happened to Peter on the day of Pentecost. Think about it. Peter has now been filled with the Holy Spirit. And then we read in Acts chapter 2, verses 14 through 16, this. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people... They're not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit. And quite obviously, on the day of Pentecost, after being filled with the Holy Spirit, he was nudged in the ribs with the elbow of the Holy Spirit. He was prompted to stand up and proclaim the story of Jesus. And as a result, something spectacular happened. 3,000 people had an encounter with Jesus. And the church was birthed on that day, all because of a Holy Spirit prompting. Isn't that incredible? Pastor Sam, who pastors the uh, Statesville campus and myself, we were talking about this encounter, this experience that Peter had this week, and we thought, what must it have been like for Peter? Because it had had to be a different feeling than he had ever felt before because he had never been filled with the Holy Spirit before. And now on the day of Pentecost, he's experiencing something that's so different. What did he experience? What was going on? Well, maybe one of the ways to explain it is that he was prompted by the Holy Spirit. He was motivated to stand and speak. And that's what a prompting is. A prompting is a, it's a motivation. It's an internal nudge uh, uh, by the Holy Spirit to move or to act or to speak. That's exactly what happened to Peter on that day. P- a, a prompting is the Holy Spirit revealing an action that we need to take. Um, I'm sure we've all had promptings. I'd like to share one personal prompting story. Um, It happened, I think, probably back in around 2010. I'm not sure of quite the year, but around 2010. um, Cammie and I were in our uh, family room uh, one morning, each having our own devotions. And um, in the midst of that, uh, it was around 7 o'clock in the morning, uh, Cammie stops and she says, we have to pray for Zach now. Zach is our youngest son. She said, I don't know what's going on, but we have to pray for Zach right now. So we did. We stopped and we said, God, we're not sure what's going on with Zach, but we know he needs you right now. And so we just pray for his protection. Well, later that day, we got a call from Zach. Zach was actually living in Switzerland at the time. He was engaged in a a, a mission outreach with Youth with a Mission, YWAM. And um, this particular outreach was an outreach to snowboarders. He was an avid snowboarder. And so their their discipleship training the first three months took place at a base in in Switzerland. Um, Part of their routine every day was to ski 
they were snowboarders or they went snowboarding. And think about it, in Switzerland, there's a lot of snow and there's some pretty incredible slopes. And so every day they would go and they would just do the runs. Um, one particular day as they were doing the runs, they got called in and uh, Zach said, I want to take one last run. And so he went to the top of the mountain and when he got there, for some reason, he decided that he was going to go off course. He was going to go kind of into the backwoods. Well, as he did, suddenly he found himself waist, uh, uh, chest deep in a snow ditch. He was trapped and he couldn't get out. And then as he was there in that hole, he panicked at first. But listen to this. Then he remembered having watched an episode of the show Survivor Man. Anybody ever seen it before? And he remembered, he recalled how in Survivor Man there was this exact situation and he recalled step by step how Survivor Man said to get out of a snow ditch when you're stuck. Well, listen, do you think that was coincidence? No. We asked him what time it happened and I'm not exaggerating on this as we begin to calculate the time differences. Guess what time? Seven o'clock in the morning our time uh, when it happened for him. God gave Cammie a prompting to pray for our son, and that prompting literally saved his life. Listen, a prompting can happen almost anywhere. It can happen um, any time, and it can uh, call for an action that, that has a variety of forms based on the need. So, for instance, uh, you may um, have a name come to your mind, and you're prompted to pray. And so you pray, and later that day, you get a phone call from someone, and you say, I just want to tell you what happened this morning. As I was doing this, I had to make a tough decision, and you realized it was happening at the time you were praying. Or maybe you hear about a particular ministry need, and you feel a prompting inside that you are to step out and to serve in that need, and so you're obedient, and you begin to serve. Or maybe you hear about a financial hardship that someone's having. And when you hear about it, you feel this prompting inside that you're supposed to give from your finances to help meet that need. Those are all promptings of the Holy Spirit. Let me ask you this. Have you ever been prompted, but you didn't take action on it because you got so caught up up here that you were trying to figure out, is that God or is that me? Is it because I didn't sleep good? What's going on? And so because you, you're so caught up in your head, you become paralyzed and, and, and you don't take action. Listen, we have to be careful that we don't get so caught up in our head that we miss an opportunity. When God prompts you, he's setting you up. So don't resist the nudge of the Holy Spirit. Uh, instead, obey, because whether it be in praying or serving or giving or whatever it might be, your obedience may very well be someone else's miracle. And listen, let's say you're prompted and you, um, you act on it, but you're still doubting and you act on it, and, and it's, you, you hear your neighbor sick. And so you think, I feel like I'm supposed to take them a meal. And so you cook a meal and you take it. And when they open the, uh, the door to the front house, you can see into their kitchen table and it's full of casseroles. And you're thinking, well, I didn't hear God. No, no, the Holy Spirit prompted you to have an act of kindness. So whatever it is, if it's praying, if it's giving, if it's serving, do it. And if the prompting seems crazy, do it anyway. And watch what happens as God works 
through your obedience. So God works through promptings. And then finally, we want to talk about one more way that God speaks. And this is the one that typically is not a fan favorite. It's the one that we would typically, if not always, like to avoid if at always possible, if at all possible. And it's that God speaks through our pain. I'm going to let that settle with you for just a moment. God speaks through our pain. We see a great example of this in um, Acts chapter 8, first eight verses. I'm not going to read it to you. I'm just going to summarize what's happening. Um, Saul, who later became Paul after his conversion, before Paul's conversion as Saul, he was a, uh, a Christian hater. And as a result, he brought great persecution on the church. There was great persecution for Christians. And as a result of his persecuting the church in Jerusalem and in the areas, uh, the Christians scattered. They scattered because of the pain of persecution. Philip, one of the 12 disciples, uh, in in the pain of persecution that he was suffering, made his way down to Samaria, into that region. Uh, Despite the pain of persecution that he had suffered, Philip told the story of Jesus. Think about this. In his pain, in the pain of persecution, he told the story, and the Scripture says that as he prayed, great miracles happened. Think about this. Miracles happened through the pain. A revival broke out in the city. Think about it again. Through the pain of persecution, people heard the story of Jesus and a revival breaks out in the city and lives are changed. I wholeheartedly believe that God has a purpose in pain. I'm going to say that again. I wholeheartedly believe that God has a purpose in our pain. C.S. Lewis said that God whispers to us in our pleasures, but he shouts to us in our pain. Have you ever found that true? He, amen. He shouts to us in our pain. I don't like pain. I have a high pain tolerance and I don't like pain. What about you? Do you like pain? No. Most of us don't do the happy dance when there's times of pain. We don't, we, we don't get all happy. Instead, we typically try to figure out if there's a way to avoid it or to get through it really quickly or somehow to get around it. But I'm going to say again, God has a purpose in pain. Please don't misunderstand. I'm not implying that God causes pain. Pain and suffering are actually a result of the curse of sin. And listen to this. Sometimes, not always, but sometimes pain can be the symptom of sin. Not always, but sometimes. But listen to this. We must perceive that there are times where pain is a gift from God. And it's a gift from God because it has the ability to change our hearts and our minds and our attitudes. God can speak through our pain to capture our attention, to refine our lives, to develop our character, and if necessary, bring us to a point of repentance. There's a purpose and pain. And when seasons of pain come, we have choices to make. We have choices. In seasons and circumstances of pain, we can choose that we will run away from God. 
We can get mad at him. We can say, how would a loving God allow this to happen to me? And we begin to remove God from the equation. Or the other choice is that we can run to God in the pain. We can run to God in the pain. We can run to the heavenly father in the same way that a child runs to his or her earthly father when they're hurt. And when we run to our heavenly father, we can find ourselves in his embrace. And in that embrace, that loving embrace, we can be honest with him and say, God, this hurts. I don't like this pain. I don't like it that circumstances and situations are like this right now. But we can also say, but God, I choose to press into the pain with your help. Rather than avoid it, I choose to press into the pain because I want to know what you want to teach me in this season of pain. I want to know what you want to do in me. I want to know how you want to change me. I want to be different as a result of this pain. We can't be so focused on getting Uh, rid of the pain, avoiding the pain, getting out of the pain, that we miss what God wants to do in us through the pain. It's better that we should recognize that sometimes the circumstances, the painful circumstances that we are trying to change are the very painful circumstances that God is using to change us. So we choose to push through the pain. Open to God. God, what is it that you want to do in me? As I begin to bring this message to a close, I'd like to share uh, about a personal season of pain. Some of you, if you've been here a while, you've heard parts of this story before, and I'm only going to give an overview but I'll title it as 2017, A Pain-Filled Year. On January 1st of 2017, at 2 o'clock in the morning, our phone rang. And it was our older son telling us that he had gotten a call that our younger son, who was living in Wilbur, Wilmington had been attacked and brutally beaten and was suffering serious damages, physical damages, which required several months of reparative uh, surgery to his mouth. Every bone in the roof of his mouth was crushed and floating. And so as parents, we felt helpless and we only knew to pray, but we felt the pain and the anguish of his pain. About three weeks later, Cammie and I had a very unfortunate encounter with someone that we looked up to, someone who was leading us at another church in another state. And um, I'll just say this, it was a very devastating time, emotionally, mentally, verbally, in every way you could imagine. And so now coupled with the pain that we're walking through as parents, we have this personal pain that we're walking through and we're carrying. And meanwhile, our son is going through these, these surgeries. And then fast forward to May of 2017, very unexpectedly, I learned that I was in severe chronic heart failure and that actually my life was on the line. And I, um, 
unfortunately, the pain manifested me in great anxiety and fear, fear of death. Now, I know that to be absent from the body is to be present from the Lord, but I'm just being honest with you. I was, I was in pain. And so I spent uh, the remainder of that year working out uh, painfully uh, my health and calling out to God and, and, and trusting God. In August of that same year, my, my mom passed away. In September of that year, I had two surgeries uh, related to the heart condition. And then the rest of the year was a year of healing. Actually, in December of that year, I had another surgery. I had a hip replacement. 2017 was a pain-filled year. I want to tell you that on January 1st of 2017, my first reaction was to go into the negative and say, great, this is how our year is going to be marked. But thankfully, I have a wife who knows better. And she said, uh-uh, nah, that's not what we're going to do. Basically, what she helped me understand that is in the midst of this pain, it's not a very good time to remove God from the situation. She helped me understand that we need him more than ever. And so throughout that year, we ran to the Father. We pushed into the pain. And we said, God, what do you want to teach us? What do you want to show us? What do you want to change in us? And I have to say that 2017 was one of the greatest years of spiritual transformation that we've ever experienced through our life. And it happened because of pain. Rather than remove God, we ran to the Heavenly Father. And we said, I can't do this by myself. I need you. I need you. And I tell you that story because there are probably those here in this room, those watching online, and you've got stories of pain-filled seasons even more incredible than mine, that there would be people listening today, and as you listen, there's some circumstance, there's some situation of pain in your life right now, and you have a choice to make. You've been wanting to avoid it rather than push through it, and today God would say, push through the pain. This pain, I will use it to change you and transform you. I want to do something in you if you will only trust me. We can run to the Father. Regardless of how great the pain is, over the next few moments, Pastor Justin and the worship team are going to minister a song to us. And as they do, you'll see the words on the screen, but I just want you to just sit and listen. And the song's called Run to the Father. And if you're here today, if you're listening online and you're in a season of pain and you've been very distraught over this pain, I want to I, I ask that you see yourself now running to the Father and say, Father, I'm not going to remove you from the situation. I'm going to come to you because I need help. I give you my pain, and I ask, what is it that you want to do in me? And perhaps as you're listening, you might want to signify that by just simply lifting your hands where you're sitting. You might stand to your feet. You might kneel. Maybe there's something that you want to do. But mostly, I want you to just hear God's voice speak to you about your pain.
I'm going to ask everyone in the room to stand. I suppose the best way to conclude this is to say, even in your pain, God is speaking to you. Don't avoid it. Don't run away from it. Follow his promptings. Be obedient. And allow God to do the work that he wants to do in you. I'm going to ask our prayer teams if they would come forward. Maybe you're here today and you just need to have a little bit more conversation about this or you need someone to pray with you about a season of pain that you're in. Or maybe you're here today and you've never said yes to a relationship with Jesus and something is stirring. There is a prompting in your heart right now a prompting by the Holy Spirit to step out and go and talk to one of these individuals and say, today I choose Jesus. I need Jesus. I need life transformation. Also, the communion tables are here. You can come and serve yourself communion. I'd like to pray for you. Father God, Thank you that you speak. Thank you that you spoke in the past. You're speaking today. You'll speak tomorrow and every day afterwards. And you care so much about us that you'll have conversations every day with us. You, the creator of the universe. I pray, Father God, that we continue to press in and learn the ways, to tune into the ways that you speak so that we can be in constant relationship with you, knowing you're leading and guiding us. And today, Father, I pray for anyone who is struggling with a season of pain, I pray that you would give them the courage and the will to push through the pain so that they can hear your voice and be transformed despite the pain, through the pain. And I pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. God bless you. What a pleasure to be with you today.